Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Welcome to the ISKCON of D.C. Sunday Open House virtual edition. And we are so honored to have His Holiness Vitadvacha Swami Maharaj with us and in a special edition of Questions and Answers. And welcome to all the devotees who are online and all those who will be listening to the recording. Thank you, Maharaj, for agreeing to be on this. My pleasure. Sure. That's my pleasure. So, but we have a lot of questions. Yeah. And the first one is obviously from Brahmatirtha Prabhu. It says, how can a devotee receive a full benefit of Krishna consciousness if surrendered only at his senior age? That was a joke. That was from BT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an inside joke between me and Brahmacharya. And Brahm and <laughs> yeah, how can I? How can a devotee receive a full benef- benefit of Krishna consciousness if surrendered only at his/her senior age? Um, actually, there's a several places in the Gita where Srila Prabhupada explains that one should begin Krishna consciousness from the very beginning of their life or from the point that one understands the urgency of the message. And so um, the urgency of the message um, may come at a, any moment, may come at any moment. I was 23. All of a sudden, I picked up one of Prabhupada's books, and I said, uh-oh. Uh, you know, it, it was saying that animals go on four legs, they eat, they sleep, they mate and defend, and human beings go on four wheels, they eat, they sleep, they mate and defend. What's the difference? And I was stumped. I, you know, I, <laughs> and then, and then Shiva Prabhupada, I actually read it twice. I, think, I actually remember, I don't remember the date, but I remember doing it. And, um, and I remember the house I was in. But uh, I remember reading it again, and I thought, what? Then the next sentence was Prabhupada said, there is no difference. One is polished and one is unpolished. Human life is not meant just to be a polished animal. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm caught. You know, I mean, I don't want to be a polished animal. Nowadays, you know, they call people dog, you beast, you this, you that, and it's kind of like a compliment, but I didn't take it as a compliment back then. And so the urgency of the message is, is see, that the nature is that once one understands the actual urgency of the message, one can make rapid advancement. It doesn't matter. Um, time. The benefit is there. And the more we understand the urgency of the message, and the urgency of the message basically is given in the eighth chapter, Yam Yam Bapish Smaram Bhavam Chagyatyante Kalevaram, that whatever state of consciousness we're in at the time of death, to that state will attain without fail. So in the commentary, Prabhupada explains that one who's not practiced Krishna consciousness cannot have the ability to remember Krishna. So, if, and I think it's actually in that purport where Prabhupada explains the urgency of the message. I'll look it up later. But the idea is, is that in order to form Krishna consciousness or to be, be conscious of Krishna, we have to practice Krishna consciousness. So whenever whenever we have the opportunity, if it happens late in life, so be it. If it happens early in life, so be it. 
um, we can actually take advantage of the process of Krishna consciousness. So, who, um, so for those who, for the person who wrote this, um, don't be worried about what benefit you'll get. You'll get unlimited benefit no matter what time you, when you join. Um, it, it's been just stated that sometimes somebody will just at the end of the life, what is that? Uh, Rama said, like Rama at the end of life, and they never practiced Krishna consciousness, but somehow or another they chanted the holy name at the end and got the full benefit. So um, there's no harm in joining or um, taking up later in life. Better later than never. Actually, better later than never. And um, there's, there's no harm. There's actually no harm. But how? But by, by Lord Chaitanya's mercy, by the mercy of the Brahmapara, by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada's coming here and giving us this wonderful process of Krishna consciousness. Nice, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you ready for the next question? Sure. Okay, here we go. Um, I, I feel like when I'm with the devotees or come to the temple, I am one person. But when I'm at work or with my extended family, I'm a different person. How do I handle this feeling of segmentation? Yeah. I, I was When I read that one, I, I thought it should be, how do I deal with the schizophrenia? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I'm one person here. I'm one person there. hope I didn't offend the person by saying saying that. Um, it was said in, 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 in light. Um, everyone, every one of us, I mean, unless you're born in a Hare Krishna family and your whole family is, been engaged in Krishna consciousness for generations. We'll all we'll all have this 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 sense that when we're with devotees, we're one way, but we but we're with our family, or especially at work. Because um, I joined the movement, and I I actually joined the movement when I visit. I said that's it. I'm, I was just a visitor, and I still had a job for the government. I was working civil in, in the civil engineering department of at an Air Force base. And I was also going to college at night, and um, so at work I just I just read Krishna. They, I, they, everybody knew I was a devotee. They couldn't fire you when you have a government job. Doesn't matter what religion you are. And um, and I would just chant Hare Krishna all day long. But <laughs> that's a, that's a special case. <laughs> anyway, Brother Bihari has a government job, but he has to work the kind of government job I had. We didn't have to. <laughs> And uh, so I actually just read Prabhupada's books and chanted during the day and cooked my own food, only ate Krishna. I was, I was vegetarian before I met the devotees, but, you know, just made Krishna prasadam and stuff like that. So, but let's get back to the question that, that how do we handle this feeling of, of differentiation? For me, just like my parents were very unhappy or whatever, whatever the word may be, when I joined the Hare Krishna movement, they thought I—they thought my life was perfect. I had a government job. I was still going to university or college. It wasn't a university; it was a college. Had big expectations, and all of a sudden, one day, I just said, "I'm going to be a monk." And it's like there's like a big difference between our way of thinking and their way of thinking. And so, after making a few mistakes of preaching to my parents, um. I, I just stopped. I mean, I just I just tried to be as kind to them as I possibly could and kept in contact with them as much as, you know, as, as what would be a, a reasonable reasonable amount of contact with them. And then, uh, you know, of course, my work situation was different. Depending on, depending on your situation, 
I know like with Ramatirtha Prabhu, he's here on his name is BT on the on the box there. I mean his 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 work allows him to reveal his devotional um, aspirations and stuff like that. Some people's jobs won't won't allow that. And so we just have to deal with it. We just, according to the time, place, and circumstance, we just do the best we can. Um, and for us, you know, in the Gita, it's stated that for a Vaishnava or a devotee of the Lord, in the 18th chapter, it talks about work, and it describes that he doesn't see anything auspicious or inauspicious. In other words, he can work. He can work in any kind of environment. He can work in any kind of environment because he doesn't see anything. And different in that sense. He has a sense of oneness with Krishna or a sense of connection with Krishna. And then when you get when when they discuss charity, penance and austerity in the seventeenth chapter, it, it it glides over to the eighteenth chapter and it's questioned should they be given up or not be given up? And Krishna said they shouldn't be given up. And then he says that the mode of goodness is just doing something because it ought to be done. And then in their commentary, Prabhupada says it's a person who is working in a factory. He's not attached to the to the factory. He's not attached to the workers in the factory. And when he and he just does his work. And at the and, and after the work, he gives the fruits of his work to serving Krishna. And so there's 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 no what would you say? They should actually if we actually think about it a little bit, we'll, we'll, we won't feel this segmentation because we'll always understand I'm a devotee of Krishna. Now I have to work for Krishna. My work allows me to or may not allow me to uh, open up to my religious uh, beliefs or whatever you want to call them. It may or may not, but I'm a devotee of Krishna no matter where I go. And we keep our same principles and our same determination within the heart uh, intact. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a, that's a simple answer to that question. As a clinician, I mm -hmm. love my work so much that I... Uh, uh, I get to serve people, which is my biggest drive. Can you give me some advice on how to manage working in a toxic environment when the people who surround you are filled with jealousy and not the best intentions? How to stay faithful and keep strong in Krishna and our practice? Yeah. Yeah, like I was saying, sometimes sometimes I'm just adjusting my, my, my screensaver so it doesn't go out. Um, yeah, sometimes you know, the environment is not conducive. Sometimes it's very difficult. As, as the person was saying here, um, that people surround you are filled with jealousy. I mean, that's, a, that's not a very nice environment. But the idea is, is that jealousy is a material quality. And it's, of course, we know, it comes from the 16th chapter, it's on the not on the first few verses of the, of the chapter, it's on the back, last few chapter, verses of the chapter where it describes demonic and people. So people who aren't devoted to the Lord or people who aren't in, in contact with you know, spirituality, whatever it may be, may have these qualities. But, we, but it's, it's described that we should not be affected by these things. Um, the, verse, the verse is actually Titiksha Shabbatata, that that these things that we experience, they come, they come through to uh, sense perception, and it, it talks about heat and cold or these kind of things. But jealousy or uh, bad intentions, these are the same things that it's talking about in a broader sense, and we must learn to tolerate them. Um, I know these things are hard to, to tolerate, 
but the idea is like for me it for me it just puts me in a positive condition <clears throat> in a positive state of mind because the question is how to stay faithful and keep strong in krishna in krishna and our practice for me it's just like an impetus to remain strong and 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 focused in our krishna's consciousness practice because we see that the what would you say the the what do you call what do you what's the word we see the how the non-devotee or how someone who is not engaged in spiritual life they have all these things and we should say oh my god krishna is so nice he's freed me from this type of mentality even though this person has it you know even even dharma the bull in the bhagavatam you know he was asked who's 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 hurting you and he said if, if i say that then i'm as guilty as the person here i had like a whole it's a whole section of the bhagavatam in the first canto and so the perfect we 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 make it upon ourselves i think it was eleanor roosevelt quoting from shastra <laughs> <laughs> roosevelt says something no one can make you feel inferior unless unless you give them permission to do it so if if we're giving people permission to uh you know what would you say affect us by their jealousy or by their bad intentions we're allowing them to do that we don't have to allow them to do that we can remain fixed in our krishna consciousness and although the question says how to stay faithful and keep strong in krishna and our practice like i said for me when we see these things it reminds me of the nature of the material world and my desire to extricate myself or to get out of this material world and it's actually becomes what would you call uh, you know a catalyst a catalyst for me to say i, I don't want to have to come in here again where people are jealous and have bad intentions and 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 i while well, i'm trying to just do my own my own occupation mm. yeah it was no one can make you feel inferior without your consent yeah, yeah, Eleanor, you know, she, she, Eleanor Roosevelt Rubacha, no one can make <laughs> you feel, no one can make you feel inferior unless you give them permission. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a very good saying. I don't know if she quoted it from somebody else, but I take that very, you know, very literally. If, if we, in other words, a lot of times if we hear somebody, you know, what do you call it, talk us down or, insult us or or feel envy or jealousy of us you know you know we you know if we if we allow that to affect us then it will but if we just try to somehow or another understand that we're not the material body that we are spirit soul and you know sticks and stones won't break you know may break our bones but but these kind of things all these things are not going to actually they don't actually affect the spirit soul mm. they're only affecting our false ego and our false conception of who we are and if we can just rise above it, at least theoretically, like in the introduction to the Gita, I, I, I use this, this, this sentence in the introduction so much, it's practically worn out if it was a record. But Prabhupada says that when you're reading the Gita, you should at least theoretically accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then when reading the Gita in that way, we'll, have, we'll, we'll feel that there's a, greater, there's a greater value to it. So in the same way, at least theoretically, we can understand and not this material body. And when these things come upon us, like jealousy, envy, bad intentions, someone trying to like you, you know, climb on your back, to, you know, to get to a higher position in that particular um, occupation, we can just see it in a positive sense. Yes, Krishna, please get me out of this place. <laughs>
Of, of taking this negative and making it a, make, make taking that negative situation and utilizing it for spiritual advancement. We can we we can we can just sit and lament. We can overly lament or say, "Woe is me! Why me? Why this?" And so many different things. But if we just take take it as as a positive thing to remind us of the nature of the world and why we don't want to be here and why we are in spiritual life, it can be very very. You can have a sense of gratitude rather than a sense of attitude towards these people. Mm, nice. Should we go on to another question, Marsh? Sure, whenever you're ready. All right. Well, there's a few about sadhana and practice. Um, so let's see. How to keep resilient on the spiritual path and daily rounds, especially when dealing with chronic illness? Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I've had some chronic illnesses, so you know, I can, I can, you know, vote in there. Um, again, again, the 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 thing is, is turn it into a positive. You know, there's a positive side to it because again, it reminds us of the nature of the material world. It actually reminds us of the the nature. The nature is birth, death, old age, and disease. Disease is there. Remember one time, Pallad Nandamara says, dis-ease. Dis-ease. He divided the word in half, or two-thirds, or whatever you want to call it. And so when, our, when, when things aren't easy, then they become, dis, they become uneasy, or become diseased. And so in the same way, although the body may not be able to function as well, and the mind may be affected by that and will be affected by that. I mean, I know I was definitely affected by many, many different diseases I've had. And, um, but the thing is, we have to understand that we just, we just always do our best. We have, a, we have a nice youth chat group. And I always tell them, like say on the scale of one to 10, like one being just barely making it or zero, not anything, but say one to 10. And then you go up to 10, meaning you really, really, you really put out a lot today and you're really, really, really trying. So some days, one may be our very, very best due to our circumstance, be, be it, you know, our, our body being ill or our circumstances being, you know, not so conducive and stuff like that. But if we're doing our best, See, Krishna is not just a data input machine. Krishna is actually a person. And Krishna knows when we're sick. He knows when we're ill. He knows when we're ailing. He knows when we're troubled. He knows everything. Actually, Krishna, in the, in the introduction, I think it's where Prabhupada says that Krishna even knows our psychic movements. He knows the psychic movements of the living entities. That's where I get scared. <laughs> Krishna knows even our psychic movements. And so if we have good intention to do the you know do something more, even in our diseased condition, even in our ill condition, even in our infirm condition, if we're actually trying our best to do whatever we can, then Krishna actually understands that. And Krishna, well, Omar, Krishna what, gives us What's the balance yeah. between trying your best and almost giving yourself some not not getting on your own case too much? Where you yeah. feel like, you know, guilty and you don't have any energy, but you're still pushing yourself and then you feel doubly yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, guilt, right? Guilt or guilt? 
And yeah, you know, I always say devotees, and I don't know where I can find this in the scriptures. You know, you're always supposed to back your statements up with scriptures, which I've been trying to do. But we need a little bit of a release valve. You know, I don't know if they can hear that, you know, turning off the relief valve because sometimes we pressure ourselves into like um, a frantic, frantic mood and we try to do more. You know, our job may be all encompassing, our family may be adding on to that. Our devotional practices may be adding on to that. And the practice of Krishna consciousness isn't just to add another thing to your to-do list. You know, it's actually, it's actually, I've described this to the devotees in our Japa group list, especially with the youth. I said, practicing Krishna consciousness is a privilege. It's an opulence. It's a gift that's been given by Lord Chaitanya, which comes, again, comes to specific succession. And it shouldn't be seen as a burden. It should be seen as a privilege. And uh, in the Gita, in, the second, in, the, in this sixth chapter, it's described that one who is tempered in his habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation, he, he, that's the person that's steady. So, I mean, I know, like, recreation, I mean, work, we have to, be, we have to utilize that for a particular purpose. But hopefully it doesn't become all-encompassing where where it affects us in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a difficult way. And that there's somehow another, like Prabhupada explains two places in the purpose of the Gita that one should, one should, what is, he doesn't use the word uh, schedule, but in other words, one should arrange their life in such a way that they don't forget Krishna. And so if things are causing us to go away from Krishna, then we have to make some adjustments. And it may just be an internal adjustment or maybe an external adjustment. They could be, it can be either way. And so I agree, Bridge. Bridge. I used to call you Bridge, but I call you Bridge. So um, I, I agree that we, we, there has to be, you know, some kind of, you know, utilizing Krishna consciousness to release us from the distresses of the material energy not adding up, oh my God, it's 11 o'clock, I still got eight rounds of know, and just trying to get the rounds in. Right. Well, you know, Morris, it, it's, what are they? Um, uh, one great devotee just called, uh, one great devotee that you know called them panic japa. You know, all of a sudden, 10.30 at night, you realize you forgot you only had 14 rounds left, so you do two panic rounds of japa. <laughs> Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I know that one. So we don't want him to like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I put in the chat one of my favorite things about this point, that uh, about the human side of being a great devotee, right? So after the settlement mm -hmm. of all disturbing conditions and reestablishment of the peaceful order of the state, and after seeing the surviving child Prikshit well established, Maharaj Yudhisthira felt some relief as a human being. Although he yes. had very little attraction for material happiness, so he yeah. just kind of went. Like if you, yeah, I mean, just I mean, I can I, I've I've read this one to devotees like a million times. Um, in the first canto, prayers to Queen Kunti, chapter eight, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, text forty-two. Oh, well, this one is uh, one thirteen sixteen, but yeah, there's others. Yeah. 
So this is this is Queen Kunti praying, O Lord of Madhu, as the Ganges flow, forever flows to the sea without hindrance, let my attraction be constantly drawn to unto you without being diverted to anyone else. Alcott's commentary. Feel no microphone. Okay, perfection of pure devotional service is attained when all attention is diverted towards the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Practically, Prophet's paraphrasing the verse. Everything diverted to the Lord. Then Prophet says here, to cut off the tie of all other affections does not mean complete negation of the finer elements of life like affection for someone else. Mm. This is not possible. Remember Prophet said impossible is a word in the fool's dictionary? Yes. So, you know, so Prabhupada is not calling himself a fool in this purport. He actually understands that this is not possible. A living being, whoever he may be, must have this feeling of affection for others because this is the symptom of life. In other words, this is the nature of the soul is to have affection for others. The symptoms of life such as desire, anger, hankerings, feelings of attraction cannot be annihilated. Only the objective has to be changed to doing all these things within the realm of Krishna consciousness. Family is not bad, Distracted towards Krishna. My family, I, I did my best, even though they weren't very, they were very bewildered by my becoming a devotee. I, I showed them as much affection, I showed them as much feelings of sympathy. I, I tried my best, you know, throughout my, you know, however many years they were with it, I had 25 years of my devotional life. Um, and so these are the symptoms of life. These are the symptoms of life when we don't give them up. As Brad Shear said, so Brad Bihari, you know this because I think two years ago, I don't know if you were there at the class, your wife was there and we just had Mother's Day and they had Father's Day and I came to your house and I said, you know, one time I was in Alachua and I wanted, I, I just see all the families, all the men sitting on one side of the temple and all the ladies sitting on the other side of the temple and the kids are like windshield wipers. They're just going from one side of the temple to the other. When they're with the mom, they cry to get to the dad. When they're with the dad, they cry to get to the mom. When the mom, they get to cry to get to the dad. And all you have is a bunch of kids crying like windshield wipers going you know, across the temple. <laughs> so I told your wife, I said, you know, I was in a latcher one time and I was thinking, why can't we just have the family sit together? And she goes, I love it. We're going to have family week this week. We had Mother's Day, Father's Day. We're going to have family day. Wanted to get all the families to sit together to get rid of their windshield wipers. <laughs> and so in that class, I, I explained that I'm a human being that just happens to wear saffron. Don't take my don't don't take the human being out of me. It's not like I don't need nurturing. It doesn't need, doesn't mean that I don't need affection from people. It doesn't mean that I don't have um, uh, like what Prabhupada is describing here. Um, what was it? Uh, feelings of affection for others, desires, hankerings. In other words, these things are there. All we have to do is learn the art of adjusting them in Krishna consciousness. Just like Raj, you're one of my close friends. I see Brahma Tirti here. I see Raghavendra here. I see you know some of my disciples and some of their youth on here. Bhakti Henry is a very, very close friend of mine for like over 30 years now. And these feelings of affection are necessary. I mean, if without them, I don't know if I could exist that well. You know, right. and so I guess we kind of got lost from that question. But I don't um, think so. no, you're right on target. <laughs> Yeah, which one was it again? <laughs> it was uh, about uh, chronic uh, illness. 
And then yeah. I asked this kind yeah, of a yeah, follow-up yeah. question that, you know, yeah, yeah. giving yeah, yourself, yeah, a, yeah. Giving yourself so, a little permission to, to not, not feel totally in anxiety all the time if you can't do everything you could do when you're healthy. Yeah, in other words, in other words, I always tell people Krishna is a person. You know, if you need a break, he knows you need a break. In other words, he doesn't. He doesn't want. Krishna doesn't want us to suffer. I mean, Krishna wants to relieve us, release us from suffering. He wants us to enjoy eternal life of bliss and you know, knowledge and everything. And so, yeah, we we don't want to make Krishna consciousness another another to do thing. You know, and 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 then, like you said, you said feel guilty. I mean, guilt is a good thing. Lamentation is a good thing. Lamentation, purification, but too much lamentation is a sign of a sutra, according to also Chen Thomas, you know, according to that verse in the in the, in the second cha- second chapter. So we don't want to over guilt ourselves. A little bit of guilt will keep us going. In other words, we should always feel a little pinching. We shouldn't feel a sledgehammer on our head. A little <laughs> pinching is okay, but not like a jackhammer on our brain. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, um, growing up in a Jewish family, I got a lot of the guilt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. Uh, let's switch over to married life. Uh, as a guru and senior teacher, you mentor many couples in their spiritual life. What have you learned over the years about making a marriage work? I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was at a wedding, and Indra Dumnamars, and I think I mean it was a lot of swamis there, and Indra Dumnamars had was on the airplane, and he was in the middle seat, right, and there was this elderly couple on the aisle and on the window, and they kept talking to each other. <laughs> It was a husband and wife. They're really, really, I mean, in their like 80s, and late 80s, 70s, you know, whatever, you know, and they're talking and talking and talking. And he's trying to prepare that what he's going to say because he's on his way to a wedding. So he can't, he, he can't focus. He, it's, it's like so many people is having a hard time focusing. So finally, he just puts down his notebook and he says, how long have you guys been? How long have you, have you, are you married? You've been together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been together over 50 years. He said, that's amazing. I'm on my way to a wedding. And I want to say something pertinent for this wedding. What, what is it that kept you together so long? And the husband says, you put, you give more, you give more out than you want to receive. You, you, you extend yourself more than you want to. Then you you give more than you want to get. Mm. You give more to the to the marriage than you expect to get back. You always give more. You always give more. And then the Gurumar has explained that in the class. And so, I mean, it's been a, this lifetime. I didn't get married, um, so I don't remember. No wonder you're so happy. <laughs> no, I say that you know because the thing is. That's an old Brahmachari ashram joke from the 70s. And um, I'm not in that school of thought anymore. Actually, even in the 70s, I wasn't in that school of thought. And when I would actually assist, uh, like, uh, load the van for the ladies, I was considered, I'm going to be down in the deep, dark well because I'm helping the ladies. And so, anyway, they all ended up 
either out or in the well, and I didn't end up there, so I must have been doing something right back in the 70s. And so the idea is, is that it's called Brahmachari Ashram, it's called Brihastha Ashram, it's called Vanapras Ashram, it's called Sanyas Ashram. The word Ashram means a place of sacrifice. And so depending on how you want to sacrifice, if you're willing to sacrifice as a Brahmachari, be under the strict stringent control of a temple authority, etc., etc., then you do that. If you want to be married and have a family and have a little bit of independence and uh, license for uh, what probably says sense gratification or things like that, a little bit of a license for that, then we do that, but that's also a place of sacrifice. And so the question is, as a guru, as a senior teacher, you mentor many couples in their spiritual life. What have you learned over the years about making a marriage work? Um, Brahma Tirtha, he's, he's got a lot on this. And um, he says, uh, can you unmute Brahma Tirtha? Because he says... Of course. Oh, You'd love to hear from Brahma Tirtha. If, 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 he's, if he can still speak. Because he says, he says, you know, love is a verb. You know, In other words, to make relationships work, I'm curious to pinch, pitch in a little bit how to make relationship work because you've been, you're almost 72, so you're going to be at 50 in a couple of years, right? we got to unmute BT. I'm trying to. There he goes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, you always use, you always say the word love is a verb, you know, and it has to, there has to be action or activity in the relationships of householders. And so the question is, you know, me as a senior member, how over the years, how do you make the marriage work? One second, let me switch off the headset. Okay. Uh, Well, you know, one thing is, I always say, uh, you know, this line, the husband, uh, should always get the last word, which is yes, dear. But um, the husband always besides, gets the last word, yes, ma'am, yes, 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 my wife. Yeah. But besides that, the secret uh, of marriage is is and, and and Prabhupada actually put some letters out like this. The secret is always mutual respect. And and uh, Prabhupada sent Gorahari a letter one time with you know, with the misogynism at that time starting to uh, come to ISKCON from various sociological reasons, which is another topic. Um, uh, he sent a letter to Gauri, which his wife promptly put on uh, um, a very prominent place in the kitchen. And the letter said, you are the better half. So um, I think it's imperative the way things are, the relationships be have some kind of reciprocity, and uh, uh, you know the Sanskrit word translates as mutual. The Madhurya Rasa it means mutual, so the relationship means uh, a mutual relationship. And since our society is kind of always been tilted, especially some sociological reason in this gone tilted towards the man, then the only way to make this work is for the man to tilt and say uh, to treat the wife with, with the utmost respect and uh, appreciation. And uh, uh, otherwise it won't be mutual. And uh, when it's mutual, then a couple uh, works together. Because uh, in, in the Gita, 
what's considered sinful? It's considered sinful not to do our nature. So if a woman has a nature, the man has to, his duty is to encourage that nature and vice versa for the woman to the man. So what makes a good marriage is seeing the person as a person and not an object and then uh, trying to facilitate. It's mutual facilitation. That works well. Everything else is a formula for disaster, but it's very good for my wife's business because she's a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> this is fun. I knew it was coming. I knew it had to be a joke. Well, I give my wife a lot of business. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the things that one of the things I'd like to add to it here is like I, one of our this kind of youth married a Christian girl, and um, which is a whole topic. But I went to the Christian wedding. And the uh, Christian minister was explaining that the passions, I think, Brad, you read this because I sent something like this to your son's wedding. And I said uh -huh. that the, the passions uh -huh. at the beginning of the, of the relationship, that, that intensity, that intense, passionate, that, that, that you know, like Rupa Goswami says, let my mind be attracted to Krishna as a young man and a young girl are in, uh, uh, like, what is it? Instantaneously or automatically attracted to each other, and so that that initial passionate attraction cannot sustain a marriage. It has to develop into a a, a friendship, and that's what Brahmacharya was saying—a collaboration where each person respects each other. Each person has a particular role to play in the relationship, and there has to be a, a sense of. I, I mean, I wish I had the letter because I, I explained it in that in, in that. And that thing I sent to your son, Gopina, you know, there has to be a sense of respect for each other and an encouragement. You have to encourage each other to, in their devotional service and in their in their particular nature. You, what can repression accomplish? We cannot we cannot go beyond our particular nature, and so we encourage. And so, I my experience is is that when devotees and, and there has to be a sense of communication. It can't be. It can't be one one sided. It has to be like an equal equal voice in the communication. And at a certain point, someone has to you know you're you're a conflict mediator, Reg, and you and so is Brahma Tirtha. And uh, Brahma has told me that the first, in, a, in a conflict mediation, the first party that shows a little bit of sympathy or a little bit of like letting the guard down, they use usually come out victorious in the mediation. So if you really want to become victorious in the discussion, I, I use the word discussion to be polite in the, re, in the marriage relationship. If you just settle down a little bit, there'll be an ability to understand what the situation is and to, to, to sustain it. Uh, you know, to forgive, forgive is a very important thing. You know, if somebody makes an error, somebody says something, you know, because you know, a lot of times people just react. They don't respond. Reaction is an emotive passion. If somebody says something or somebody does something, somebody reacts. That's emotive passion. If you if you hear something or you or you see something and you and you recognize it, you you take the time to acknowledge it and then you respond. That's an emotive goodness. And so we we want to learn to live in the emotive goodness. Where we're not just reactionary, but we're we're in a sense of of acknowledgement and responding. In a, in a positive way, because everything has a positive side to it. Just like every, like every magnet has a positive and negative energy.
refer to it. So we can just change everything from a positive, a negative to a positive. And so marriage means work. Like the, the person said, how over the years about making a marriage work. Yeah, work. Work at making the marriage work. Really work. Take the time. Take the effort. You know, wherever you put, wherever you place your priorities, wherever, wherever, wherever this, you know, the squeaky wheel always gets attention. But just give the attention to that relationship because if the relationship is strong and there's communication and there's and there's affection and there's and there's all these things are there, it, it, it can it can work. Interesting enough, I just I just remembered something that Tamal Krishnamar has told me, and I do believe Prabhupada he was with Prabhupada in in, in uh, Laguna Beach. He told me he was with Prabhupada in Laguna Beach, and I do believe the year was seventy five. It could have been 76, but I think it was 75. And Prabhupada turned to him and said, "Householders should be should be very affectionate to one another." You know, imagine if I would imagine if like the Brahmacharya said the misogynistic, you know, group in that in that early 70s, mid 70s, were to hear that um, householders are supposed to show affection to each other. They would have, they would have, they would have, whoa, what's that all about? You know, but, yeah. but you have to have affection. Every, even that purport says we need affection. And so I get my affection in, in a certain way. Grahasta gets his affection in a certain way. We, we have to have that. And so it's not Maya. It's we had a Maya. saying in the 70s, uh, if you want to be free from samsara, you have to be free from samsari. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, we had all kinds of sayings, you know. <laughs> it, it, and unfortunately, the damage has been done. And we're trying now. We're do, now we're trying to do remedial work, and, and, and you know, psychiatrists and psychologists are making a mint off our. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pramatirtha is getting rich. Uh, his wife. His wife's wife. getting rich. She's got. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, next question. I'm going to lump two of these together, Maharaj, because they're they're somewhat related but not completely related. But um, let me find them. So one says, "My partner eats meat, but I am trying to practice bhakti yoga. What can I do?" And then another person asks, "I like being a devotee, but I also like practices from other traditions. Is it okay to be a devotee and also believe other things?" Okay, they're a little bit connected. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not no. seeing you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. Okay, so I'm just trying to. Um, let's just get into the. My partner eats meat, but I'm trying to practice bhakti yoga. What can I do? Um, the best thing for you to do is to not make it a not make it an issue. Not making an issue. I mean, if uh, my guess from reading this is that you you were a couple before and you got introduced to Krishna consciousness and decided to give up meat eating and other things uh, along the way for, that are according to our scriptures. No illicit sex, no intoxication, no gambling, and no meat eating. So you may have adopted that, um, yeah, yeah, adopted that 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 in your life. But we can't we can't expect that our partner to do that. Now the example that I that came to mind when I first because I just got this list I think last night I didn't even know there was a list on my phone on my on my email. The first thing I thought of was Prabhupada's 
a sister, Kishima. And her husband, as far as I know, drank and did all kinds of things. And she, and she just tolerated it. And Prabhupada said that was that was the glory of his sister's devotion. I mean, that was that was a, a prominent um, feature of his sister that she was able to be Krishna conscious in that environment and never left him. Never, you know, didn't criticize him. Didn't do anything like that. I mean, I don't know exactly how you know. Uh, Mother Ananda Manjari uh, had spent a lot of time with her after Prabhupada's disappearance, maybe even before, and she has a lot of information on on, on Pishima. And um, and so, um, what can you do? The best thing to do is to practice Krishna consciousness to the best of your ability so we acquire the qualities that come from practicing Krishna consciousness. In the first few verses of the 13th chapter, it describes that which distracts us from the, from the spiritual world. And then I think it's 8 through 12 are the, are the qualities that allow us to escape from those other qualities that bind us in the material world in the 13th chapter. And so, um, what is it? I can't remember the first word. Forgiveness, kindness, uh, peacefulness. I, you know, I can't remember. I should have it. I could just do it in two seconds. But these qualities, but these qualities are meant. They they actually they actually liberate us from this world. Uh, yeah, humility, pride, this nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, approaching a spiritual master, cleanliness, steadiness, self-control, renunciation, the object of sense gratification. So all these things are listed there. Robert explains in that commentary or the next one where. These are, are these are barometers. These are milestones, and we can see that we're advancing in Krishna consciousness. So these 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 characteristics are very, very attractive. And if if your spouse or your partner sees that you're actually becoming a nicer person, a kinder person, a more peaceful person, a more generous person, a more compassionate person, a person who is living a life of gratitude. They'll see this and they'll want to also say, well, what is that about? And then they may be attracted to change. It may be. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. And the thing is, is that Nakartu, fifth, chap, fifth chapter, I think it's verse 14, Nakartatam, the Karmani, Lokasha, Srijati, Prabhu, that one cannot induce others to act. This is all being arranged by the modes of material nature. We can't induce another person to act. In other words, we can't force it upon them. But we can make it. We can make our life so interesting and so cool. I guess is the word to say. So cool, so awesome. I guess is the cool word that that they'll actually want to investigate that which is making a change in us. So I was. That would be my basic response to that question. Thank you, Mars. Let's skip to uh, this question because one devotee has to leave in a minute, but they wanted to hear the answer. How do we know if Krishna is pleased with my service? Are there any indications? Oh, okay, yeah. Are there any indications? Well, we always we always say if the if the spiritual master is pleased, Krishna is pleased. If the Vaishnavas are pleased, Krishna is pleased. Um, these are the indicators. Um, and myself personally, I've I've come to this point where several years I have some whatever. That's a detail. Get the details out of the conversation. I got that on Ted. Get the details out of the conversation. <laughs> that that if we go to the honest place in the heart, 
if we go to the honest place in the heart, and I've, I've, I've gone through this, I've stated this many, many times in lectures, that we have a place in the heart where we really reside, but we, we won't even go there. We'll just go up a step. We don't even want to know how bad we are. We just, we'll just go up a step. And then to our close people, we may go up one more step. And people who are a little bit further away from us, we may go up another step. And so we get, so my point is being that where we're really at, if you can find, if you can find a, a sense of humility and go to that place in our heart where we actually reside, then we can, and then we, we, we work on that place. In other words, that's our foundation. That's where we need to be working on. And as we work on that, we'll get realizations. We'll get inspiration. We'll see that this process of Krishna consciousness is working. And when we see that, then we'll know that this Krishna is actually pleased because we're practicing that process which he has given us. And so it's an internal thing. There's an internal aspect to knowing, and there's an external aspect to knowing. If the Vaishnavas are satisfied, then we should know that Krishna is satisfied. And if and if we can actually find that place in our heart and 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 what would you say quantify or you know understand where I'm at and see the changes happening, then we can understand that Krishna is pleased because we're following the process which which He's given to us. What a wonderful answer! I, I love that about uh, about that self introspection to see if Krishna is pleased with us. Um, we probably have time for one or two more questions. Or was there anything you wanted to comment on uh, practicing other traditions? Oh, I, like yeah. being, I like being a devotee, but I like also like practicing other traditions. Is it okay for a devotee to also believe other things? Um, was there anything you wanted to say on that? Well, there's, there's, there, are, there, are, there is a couple of things. Um, you know, like probably several times when you when you find Krishna why why go other place because everything is in, included within Krishna so that someone may say that's a little dogmatic or something like that but it it, it, it holds a, it holds a lot of truth holds a lot of truth so I would say I would I would say in this in a case like this that I like being a devotee but I also like practices from other traditions it's, is it okay to be a devotee and also to be a believer in other things? And so what I would say is that, yes, you can do that, but do a comparative religious study with, within yourself. In other words, when you, when you, when you see the practice, when you, when you devote as much time to practicing Krishna consciousness as you do to other things, what would you say? Weigh it out. See, see which one actually gives you the, the greatest amount of um, personal growth. Personal growth means understanding that the person, me, the spirit soul, not just, you know, this external shell that I happen to be writing in. And, um, but actually see and, 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 and then judge the fruit by, judge a tree by the fruit okay. and see if, if, in other words, if I if I would utilize that time which isn't giving me the same benefit as Krishna consciousness is, then adjust. But if it is, then you know, and it is helping your Krishna consciousness, then utilize it for your Krishna consciousness. I mean, some devote you know, there's so many different things. I mean, I don't know exactly. I also like other practices from other traditions. I mean, I actually appreciate the practices of other traditions. It's not that that appreciation is going to, you know, 
maybe it'll someday it'll lead me to practicing doing them, but it hasn't for <laughs> But the idea is at least I have appreciation for that. So I have an appreciation for this person's, you know, uh, attraction for at least some form of spiritual practice. At least, at least a bona fide spiritual practice or something that's connected directly to the Supreme Lord because the Supreme Lord comes in many forms. Uh, he, and, and he gives direction according to time, place, and circumstances. So, um, but as Srila Prabhupada said, of course, nowadays, I think it's the opposite. Prabhupada would say, if, if you can take the elevator to the top floor, why take the staircase? Of course, nowadays they say if you can take the staircase and you can click and, and improve your health why take the elevator <laughs> <laughs> so the prophet's analogy is kind of like is kind of like um it, it's kind of like been uh, obscured over the years so the idea is is like um is like um utilize it you know see if you can check them check the balance and see which one has the greater value and then if it can be utilized in in the process of the krishna consciousness then do it I mean, I know I know a lot of devotees have gone to different self-help places to get rid of, or to I don't know what the word is, is to solve the the mystery of their the complexities of their mind and emotions and stuff like this, and it's allowed them to enhance their spiritual practices. And so I would encourage that. I mean, anything that anything that enhances our spiritual practices is good. And as I said, I appreciate all religious, bona fide religious traditions, and and appreciate the fact that someone has some affinity toward them. But I would say, make sure you make sure you're not not <laughs> not missing the boat because Krishna consciousness may be the best thing. Okay. Well, Morris, that's interesting. I find sometimes it, if uh, devotees go, let, what, I forgot the actual words you were using, but. Uh, to some other source for dealing with, let's like, say, some mental uh, thing, or you know, uh, that sometimes they they end up having more faith in that than in Krishna consciousness. It's it's to me, it's almost like when it's almost like the modern day adaptation of where Krishna says that uh, if you worship the demigod, sometimes you get quick results. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that. There's it seems that. Something about a balance there, or yeah, I've all, I've also seen that, and that's um, I I know one very very close friend that went to some one of those I don't know what you call them, New Age or things which help help you get to the core of your yeah self help thing yeah yeah self help type of thing, but they entered entered into it with the mentality that. This is for my Krishna consciousness. Hmm. This is for my Krishna consciousness. This isn't in place of my. This isn't to replace my Krishna consciousness. This is to help my Krishna consciousness because I'm finding fault. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know, so many different things, and it's that. And those things are hampering my Krishna consciousness. But I have seen, as, as you have seen, we see many people go to these different. You know, things. I don't want to mention the names of the self-help people because that's not. It's not proper, right. but um, but um, and 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 that becomes a religion, you know. Or sometimes people's diets become their religion. Sometimes, <laughs> yes. you know, so, you know, anything can become someone replace someone's you know religion, Krishna conscious religion. But um, 
Yeah, in other words, in other words, to do that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, but but you know, it's like it's just like Brahmacharya's wife, Bhakti Devi, is like a family marriage counselor. If you're having problems in your in your marriage, and you can't figure it out, go to somebody that can figure it out. Right. right. It's not Maya to go to a marriage and family counselor. And I have a story. You know, I know we only have a minute left, but um. One time in, in Bombay, when Gary Rajswami was in charge of Bombay, there was a there was a Indian lady that was a I think a Brahmacharini or something in the ashram, and came from a well very well to do family. I'm mean, not well to do, but well placed family. I think her dad was an ambassador or some something to do like something like that, and she got some kind of disease. I think it's called paranoid schizophrenia or something like that, where she thought somebody was trying to poison her. Mm. So she would only eat out of the, what they call in India the dustbin, out of the garbage, because she thought nobody could poison her if she was eating out of the garbage. And so her father came and found out, and he was thinking that, you know, I really need to get my daughter into some kind of, you know, psychological treatment place or something to help her because something's really off. And I don't remember, Gary Rajmaris didn't tell me the year, but he did tell me the story. And so. Obviously, it was during Prabhupada's time and during the building of the Bombay Juhu Temple. And so, so devotees were, no, you can't go to these you know, demon psychiatrists. They just mess with your brain or you can't take medicine like this or you can't do that or you can't do this. And so finally, Guru Rajaswami was with Prabhupada in this darshan room one day and there's you know, maybe a dozen people there. And this girl's situation came up and Prabhupada said, I know her. She's a devotee. If your arm is broken, you go to the arm doctor. If your mind is broken, you go to the mind doctor. She's a devotee of Krishna. If she goes there, she won't lose. Krishna will always be with her because she's a devotee of Krishna. Let her go and get some help. Now, oh, nice. my knowledge, oh, nice. this person is now functioning quite well for the last many, 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 many decades in Krishna consciousness. Wonderful. Because of how much direction. Oh, nice. Mars, thank you so much for coming on this uh, Sunday Open Class virtual edition <laughs> is kind of DC. And we hope that when the pandemic's over, you will come and spend time again with us. Yes, I, I would love to come up there and take my walk on, on your nice streets up there. <laughs> <laughs> nice, with all those trees and take some Japa walks with you and visit Wonderful, wonderful. And we hope uh, you'll also agree to come on again and give uh, answer more questions. Sure, anytime, you know. And if uh, please, if, if I said anything offensive or anything, what do they do in India? You know, <laughs> you know, you know please forgive. And yes. in, in every endeavor, there's some fault, just like there's smoke on fire. So um, I just did my best to do whatever I could. And I'm, I've been friends with Rajiv Bihari. I don't even remember what year it was, 79, 78, 80, 81, something like that. Something like that. It was a real pleasure just to be with you, Bridge. Thank you, Maharaj. All glories to your service of the Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.